Welcome to the Atlanta Sports Podcast, a recap of the week in Atlanta sports, created by Atlanta sports fans for Atlanta sports fans. Welcome to episode 47 of the Atlanta Sports Podcast. Two of us here tonight, which is probably a good thing. Based on last time, Jeremy, about 30 minutes in, I kept noticing Garrett kept looking above his screen. Yeah, Garrett's checked out for the holidays. <laughs> he seems to have uh, have checked out last episode about halfway through. If you haven't seen it, Garrett watches TV for about half the episode. It's no. it's it's fantastic work on his end. And there's not anything really good on TV right now, so you can tell he was just not interested at all. So <laughs> we're hoping for better things in the new year. Yeah, this uh, looks like we may have an opening for a host position. Uh, feel free to send applications. Garrett's supposed to be the one that receives those. That might be a problem because he most likely won't look at it. A certain Steelers fan might have a way. There, we, there is a Steelers fan who is our super fan. That uh, That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Phil Ducko. Get ready, Phil. We're going to need you soon. <laughs> All right. So this week, uh, of course, we want to talk a little bit about the Falcons and the disaster that was... Uh, Last last but Sunday was it, was afternoon, it a really, Garrett Daniel. That's a good point. I mean, technically, yes, it was a disaster, but it was also one of those things where I was like, "Yes, jackpot, we lost, and we should also probably lose the next three, which is a good thing for our draft status." Yeah, I mean, really, winning that game does us nothing. I mean, it's a joyless victory. I mean, it's not even like it's a conference win. I mean, we're not beating the Saints, we're not beating the Bucks, we're beating the Chargers, and. Nobody cares about the Chargers, not even their fans. They don't even have any fans, so nobody cares <laughs> about the Chargers. <laughs> that's very true. I still don't understand why they left San Diego. That's That's been confusing to me. I don't know if it was a, a dispute with the city or, or what as far as the stadium goes. Well, they but, couldn't get a stadium, so, and they wouldn't spend any money on the team. So. Yeah. yeah San, the San Diego fans used to show up. I mean, it was... That was their team. Now they dropped another team in LA, and there's zero allegiance to the Chargers. So, which I don't blame them for for not going. I mean, that's not really their team. But um, I got to give some credit. The Chargers moving forward are going to have a good football team. Partly because Herbert is a good quarterback, uh, especially as a rookie. He's on a rookie deal, uh, which means you can spend money on the defensive line and offensive line and, and other skill positions because you're not having to like the Falcons are doing, fork over boatloads of money to a quarterback, the quarterback position. So uh, I think the Chargers have a bright future uh, with, with Herbert sort of calling the plays. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely overachieved, I think, from what most people expected. I mean, I, I didn't think he'd be that good, but you know, well, time will tell, I guess, with them. I mean, they're still, what, 4-10, and 10, so 4-9. Yeah, they they're not they're not good now, but I, I do see them progressing, sort of in the right direction. Uh, I mean, holy cow, Eckler, their backup running back, looked like a uh, an All Pro uh, running back back there. He looked like Todd Gurley, early LA LA Rams. Uh, he he did everything against us. The uh, first three plays of the game, or first three plays of the game that I saw, um, I think he had thirteen yards. 
two or three carries in a row. I mean, just absolutely gashing the defense. Uh, it was from their yeah, well, backup not, running back. Yeah, that's not really an Austin Eckler thing. That's a Falcons defense thing, I think. So, <laughs> man. We've, so we've, made what, of, we've made a lot of people look good the last three years. I'll just say that. I mean, you remember what, what we did, what allowed Marcus Mariota to do to us last year? I mean, that yes. was brutal. And then he got benched like two games later, I believe. So. <laughs> that was, that was, yeah, he was basically last year, every quarterback that played us ended up being like NFC player of the week. <laughs> yeah, Jacoby Brissett, he had a good game. Uh, yep. Who was it? The, Browns quarterback, he was terrible last year. But I think he had a good game versus us. So it's just yes. we it had, was, we we made people a lot of money last year. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So speaking of making a lot of money, word on the street is is Matt Ryan is done. That he's physically incapable of being a quarterback in the National Football League based on the last three games. That, I mean that's ridiculous. I would I would agree that our offensive line is done. I, mean, I would I wouldn't mind to see none of those players ever again on, going forward with the Falcons. But you know we just, we just don't give any help. And then you know Julio just doesn't play enough. We all love Julio, but he misses you know a quarter of your games, and then he doesn't play. You know he plays seventy for ten of the plays in the games that he plays in. So. And I think that's a coaching thing, but still, at some point you have to be like, hey, uh, we need you in the field you know, 85 to 90% of the time. Yeah, I liked your uh, your stat from last year that, uh, what was it, the snap percentage or, or on-field percentage, whatever that, that statistic was of, you know, the top wide receivers are on the field 80, 85, 90% of the time, and Julio was and on like the field what, what, 70 65% of the time. Yeah, I mean, it was... It's ridiculous when you look at it because a lot of time we're throwing our, you know, third and fourth receiver out there on big, big plays, you know, third yeah. and eight, third and six, and it's like we're hoping. I mean, Gage is a good, decent receiver, but you know, if it's third and six. It shouldn't be Gage and our fourth Zacchaeus. receiver. Yeah, Powell and Stocker trying to get a catch. <laughs> the reality is, Stocker should never be on the field. No, Stocker is. Uh, brutal absolutely brutal and I, so, I think I, we were worried when they brought him back because i mean we for some reason cutter loves luke stocker and he just loves to use him so cutter had uh his favorite play call called against him all game giving the the, the chargers a chance the screen play was running rampant yeah. on the Chargers side last week you know who we don't run the screen with ever? Todd Gurley. <laughs> well, have you seen Todd Gurley? No, There's but, a reason. But, I mean, that's one of the things he does really well. And we've given him no opportunity to do that. Like, I, I think we should rephrase that. Just, Todd Gurley used to be good at catching screens and catching the ball out of the backfield. Todd Gurley... Is one of the things I wanted to talk about today. I, I've been rough on and tough on Todd Gurley, you know, throughout the podcast this year, this, this year with the Falcons. Todd Gurley is done. I mean, his. 
I think that knee flares up during the game, and that's why you see him so little. You know, he you see him a lot in the beginning, and then the knee says, "Nope, we're done." And then you don't really see him the rest of the game. And I think one, I think he's definitely not back with the Falcons next year. I think there's a zero percent chance we see Todd Gurley back. And I don't know if Todd Gurley signs somewhere else. I mean, it's not like Adrian Peterson, right, where he just begins to lose a step. I mean, Todd Gurley has a debilitating knee injury. He's he's done. I mean, it, based on watching him, no explosion. Uh, you know, I, I watched a little bit of uh, of the Vikings and and Tampa Bay Bucks game, and the explosion from Cook out of the backfield with the Vikings is just ridiculous. Like we we don't see that from any of our running backs. And Cook is a good back. I mean, he's he's not what Todd Gurley used to be. But we don't have that explosion out of the backfield from any of our backs, which is something that we've got to address this offseason because it, it our running game is is brutal, which is another reason why Matt Ryan's not playing well. Yeah, I mean, we don't really have much of a threat of the run. So, you know, it's kind of like if we play action, I mean, who, who are we fooling? I mean, who's who feels like they need to, you know, put all in their effort to start stop our run game? I mean, it's just not, not something we do well. What's but, well? Well, we don't run the ball well. The play action that you're talking about, we're one of the the we run play action almost almost dead last in the NFL. We're almost dead last in the NFL in pre snap motion, right? So that sort of trifecta, when you look at all those things, makes Matt Ryan, who is a very good quarterback, makes him a pretty average quarterback when you take away all of those tools that other quarterbacks use versus a defense, right? A running game, a play action game, pre snap motion. Take away all I mean, those things. Really, and Mahomes wouldn't look good if you took away all those things from Mahomes. Yeah, we make. I mean, we make it really easy to defend our offensive weapons. I mean, you're, you're not letting them get a you know a running start with motion. I mean, you know, you're you're not creating any type of mismatch. I mean, it's just like here, here. This is where we're standing. You know. You probably know what plays we're going to run because yeah. you know we have the re- receivers run twenty yards and the, the tight end run a curl and it's just, <laughs> I mean I was well, calling the plays when I was at your house I was like I mean you watch Cutter long enough you know what he's going to do I mean it's just there's no creativity there's no imagination like you said no motion no surprise I mean I think he had one good you know. And then when he when he calls a good play, he's like, "Oh, what do you say about Cutter now?" And I say he's terrible. That's what I say. <laughs> Dirk Cutter's terrible. Like he's from like the NFL twenty years ago, and he's still trying to run the same offense. And it's it's a different league. Like does so C- Cutter's obviously not coming back as well, right? We're gonna have a whole new staff, yeah, whole new regime. Yeah. Does Cutter get a job somewhere else? I don't know how he gets it. I mean. I just how the NFL works, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, you're right. I'm sure he'll end up somewhere, dude. But because somebody's going to look at those passing numbers and say, "Man, he had the fifth best passing attack in the NFL," right? And that's what they'll sell to their fan base, right? That's the way they sold to us when he came back from Tampa. Was man, look what he did in Tampa. They had like the Jameis Winston, and they're in the top, you know, five in offensive attacks. With Jameis Winston, look at all the quarterbacks or touchdowns Winston threw. And that's sort of what was sold to us, that Cutter was this you know, new offensive coordinator, that he had, he had found something new. 
and it's a whole lot of the same. As a matter of fact, to be honest with you, his offense has been worse watching this time around than it was the first time he was here because the NFL, like you said, has continued to progress and Cutter has continued to stay the same. Right. So the first time he was here, everybody was sort of around the same page, but now the offenses have all changed in the NFL and he simply hasn't. It's been it's been brutal to watch. So the hate that Matt Ryan's getting, it's sort of like what I said last week about some of the defensive stuff. It's so hard to make judgment calls on abilities of players when you have such an outdated system being run, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Other than Jake Matthews. Yeah. Well I'm not yeah, man, our offensive line is brutal. But, I mean, I disagree with Young Gurley, though. He's going to get a shot somewhere else. I mean, you, look at the people who get who got shots this last offseason. Devonta Freeman, Frank Gore is still <laughs> weakened and burning. He's still pulling a weekend and burning up with the Jets. So, <laughs> I mean, actually, actually, that guy's not a good example. I mean, he's in better shape. Or as good a shape as when he was with San Francisco. I mean, he's he's ridiculous. So he's, he really is. He probably could play another two years and still be productive. Yeah, that's he's the wrong example. But McCoy wasn't good last year, and he signed with Tampa Bay. I mean, it's just, I mean, veteran running backs get, you know, at least backup jobs. I mean, you, know, you might not get the money you want. Like Freeman didn't get the contract he wanted, but. No, Where did Freeman end up? I don't even. He ended up with the Giants. So. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Uh, I was about to make my Daniel Jones comment because I don't know if it was podcast time when we we were podcasting when I talked about Daniel Jones or prior to. I think it was prior to. I saw him play at Duke, and I said, "Dude's an NFL quarterback." That's one game. Like he's an NFL quarterback. And y'all all ragged me saying, no way he's an NFL quarterback. Then dude gets drafted first round NFL quarterback. And now he's showing that maybe he's not an NFL quarterback. So I <laughs> maybe one game of watching Duke football was not quite enough. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't watch Duke football anymore. That's <laughs> that is, <well> learned. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. All right, so back to the Falcons the draft coming up, I think I want to say we have the fifth overall pick right now. We're going to land somewhere between before, before we go to the draft because I know you want to skip this topic every every podcast. But can we look at is Hirschworth the second round pick that we could have drafted Jackie Dobbins with? The answer is no. Eventually, you're you're going to agree that he was not worth the second round pick. Currently, right now, can I say he's worth a second-round pick? No. But okay. in the right offensive scheme with a, a, an offensive coordinator who knows what he's doing, is he a weapon? Yes. So yeah, but that's not the same I'm holding thing. judgment till next year. That's not the same. I, I don't hate Hurst as a player. I hate what we gave up to get him. Yeah. Like it, it was way too much. Like I don't. No one in their right mind would have given up a second-round pick for Aiden Hurst. Backup tight end. Yeah, I mean, it just wouldn't happen. I mean, we got Tony Gonzalez for a second round pick. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I think I came to that conclusion last week that I don't disagree that the second round pick was rich, but I can't change that. So I, I, all I can analyze is the skill of the player. Of course, I would love to have that second round pick and, and not have given that up because there's a whole lot of players that you could have gotten in that position that could have helped the team more than Hayden Hurst, more impactful uh, player than Hayden Hurst right now. 
Um, but we, uh, all you can do is analyze the ability of the player. And I do think he has tremendous skill. I just think he's misused in the offense. But what we run really is this is the second team, like. But the ball, I mean, Baltimore. He wasn't the start. I mean, he was drafted to be the starter, but he wasn't the starter. Like, I mean, at some point, you are what you, you know, your numbers say you are, and you are you know, if you're a starter, you become the starter. Like, right. You don't, Again, I, I'm this whole year to me. I can't on the offensive side of the ball. I can't make too many judgments about players. I just it, it's such a bad scheme, such a bad a bad situation that it, it, I can't I can't tell you if a player is good or not. Like I can't tell you if Matt Ryan's really done. I don't think he's done. Right prior to these three games, he was completing like seventy percent of his passes, um, but. Give me somebody next year calling plays. It's not Dirk Cutter, and, and we'll, I'll start throwing people under the bus if they're not performing. Does that extend to the offensive line? That extends to the offensive line. Oof. Although yeah. I've seen enough of Jake Cutter. Jake Cutter. I've seen enough of Jake Matthews. Might as well be Jake Cutter. Yeah. And really, I mean, you're talking about Alex. I mean, Alex Mack has been a great player for the Falcons, but I mean, we need to. A new center moving forward. I mean, and that's Tennessee's going to replace going to replace Mac next year. The guy we drafted this past year, and who's played a little bit at guard uh, throughout the year. Um, yeah, yeah he, Mac's been a great player. You know, he was a great player. He had some good years for us. So I mean, he doesn't owe us anything, but you know, we just need to move forward and find some cohesion on the office line. And I like Lindstrom. I don't like McGarry. I know you don't like Lindstrom either. I, I think Lindstrom's a good football player. But uh, I mean, I, ho- I hope you're right. So hopefully, we talked a little bit about this today. I'd like for these last three games to be treated like preseason football games for the Falcons. I'd like for this to be opportunities to see Hennessy at center, to yeah. see him at guard, uh, to see um, you know more of of uh, I forget his name as I'm about to. Brian Hill, there we go. <laughs> uh, see more of Brian Hill in the backfield. Uh, see more of uh, Quadre Allison in the backfield, who we rarely ever see. Uh, see what he's able to do. And I know pass protection is something that they're worried about with him, but you don't, you're not going to get better with that if he's not given an opportunity to try to get better at it, right? So let's see some of these young guys, you know, maybe in the second half of games, uh, so we can start evaluating some of this talent. And I think part of that has to also also happened by bringing in the general manager sooner rather than later so they can begin to to assess our roster, begin to look at these players and, and make decisions about what they want to do moving forward in the draft. I, what I don't want to see is at the end of the season, us announce a coach and general manager and that general manager has missed this whole time to prepare for the draft and, and analyze our team. Yeah, especially if you're not hiring somebody from the NFL. I mean, what are you waiting on? Like, we, I think neither one of us want Rich McKay pulling any strings. I mean, we saw it. <laughs> I mean, I wish he could find his way out the door, you know, as well. Because I just think, you know, Arthur Blank kind of fired him upwards. Yes. Keep him around. And, I mean, I, I was shocked when he fired Dimitrov because I thought we were going to have another, you know, 
firing upwards and then we'd brag about how we have, you know, 62 general managers in our front office. <laughs> so I always like to say, hey, we have like 140 coaches and 62 you know, general managers like that matters. Like, how about we find one who can make a pick and coach people up? Can we find one of those that for each position? Yeah, we had. We, I know we're exaggerating numbers, but we really did have at one point five or six general managers, previous general managers that were on our staff that were all assisting Dimitrov in this this team building process. And it was this huge question mark of who's actually making these picks. Like, where's the buck stop? And Dimitrov kept saying it was with him. And finally, he did sort of emerge as being that 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 person making picks, but there was about two years where there was like a, I don't know what's really going on up there. Cause there's a whole lot of voices. To be honest, uh, if, if you had his record draft wise, wouldn't you want to kind of spread that? Have it be a mystery. I mean, who's is, making these picks. <laughs> that is true. It's a bad sign when you have that who's many taking Lamar people in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> that is Peter a bad Cameron's. look. Sort of the writings on the wall when you have that much support to try to help you with the draft pick. Sort of like for a coach, the writings on the wall when you you bring in people to help you with your clock management and time management skills as a coach. When you're not coaching the offense or the defense, all you're doing is, is the head coaching role, and you still have to have somebody help you with the time management and clock management situations. So, yeah, that's uh, the writing was on the wall for both of those guys. Can we? If we're moving forward, can we also just have that verified that they fired that guy too? Because he wouldn't get it either. We didn't get any better when we hired people to do that. I'm with you there. We just had more confusion. I mean, it's like, and no. Uh, Who drafted Isaiah Oliver? Like, I need to know that. I need that answer. Like, whose pick was that? Because he can't cover anybody. Isaiah Oliver is absolutely atrocious. It's it's difficult to watch him on the field because he's never in the right position, <laughs> right? Mean, and he gives up he gives up scores, and the other defenders always turn and look at him like, "Dude, what are you doing?" Like this frustration, like we're all running around here doing our job, and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, because I mean, I think I mean AJ Terrell seems like he's going to be a pretty Good player, yeah. He player. led the, the led the team in tackles last week against the Chargers. Yeah, and he from the defensive me. back position. For his size, you wouldn't think he tackles the way he does, but I mean, he, he's a good tackler. So he really, it, he's, it's shocking how well how good of a tackler is. And I, I've got to, I'll apologize. I thought that he was built like a uh, an eighth grade uh, eighth grade kid and not a uh, a grown man. Uh, but dude uses all. 190 pounds or whatever he weighs in that process of tackling folks. Cause he's, he, he is, he wraps people up. It's, it's surprising. And he covers pretty well. He's not perfect. Right. We, we talked about, uh, you know, Thomas and the saints, how they sort of carved him up and made him look a little bad. Um, and he struggled versus some of the top wide receivers, but he's also a rookie at, at one of the most difficult positions to play on the defensive side of the ball. So I agree. He, he he's a bit of a bright spot. Yeah, I mean, as a rookie, you, know, you you expect to have hiccups in games. What you don't expect is, I mean, Isaiah Oliver type performances to where, you know, 
guy's wide open by 30 yards and yeah. it just becomes a running joke to where is Oliver in coverage. It's like, yeah, he doesn't need to be on the field. No, doesn't need to be on the field. I do like, uh, Daquez Denard, uh, and the way he plays, uh, he really, he's the number two to me and Oliver should be uh, not even the nickel. You just don't have him on the field at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's Bleedy, better. Bleedy Ray Wilson over there. Yeah. I mean, even Oliver's been better than that. Slightly better. And when he's been kind of off coverage, but uh, yeah, I don't need to see him on coverage ever again. Yeah. So I'm going to give credit again. I know I talked about last week and you sort of were like, ah, I don't know. Jeff Ulbrich as defensive coordinator with the players that we have, has done a pretty darn good job. I mean, again, you hold an NFL team to 17 points. Now, we're not the Ravens or the Steelers or some great j- defensive juggernaut, right? Our 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 bread is buttered on the offensive side of the ball. So when you hold a team to 17 points with our offense, that should equal a, a W, right? Or well, we gave up 20, right, because they kicked the field goal at the end. So that should be a W. That should be a win. Uh, so... Jeff Ulbrich, he he's one I think should get serious consideration for whatever staff comes in of being the one lone guy that could possibly stay as your DC. Um, and if he doesn't stay here, I, he he deserves an opportunity somewhere else because you know we have zero pass rush. Right, we have our two defensive ends are terrible. We have we have Grady Jarrett in the middle, and that's it. He's yeah, getting that, pressure that from kind of works Woodson. Off too. I mean, he yeah. He he's getting getting pressure from blitzes that he's calling. And the defense hasn't been perfect, right? We've still given up some Falcons plays where it's, you know, third and third eighteen and they get the first down. Yeah. Yeah. Um but overall the defense has been night and day under his his sort of leadership. So he's the one spot where I could look at and say, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if he stayed. Yeah, outside of the rushing three, which has never worked in the history of the for the Falcons, I don't believe. I mean that was kind of our bread and butter in the our Super Bowl loss. Just rush three there, whole second half. So I mean he's been better, but I mean the bar is so low. And we've been playing pretty terrible offenses. I mean I don't, the Chargers aren't lighting anybody on fire with kind of their receivers and and weapons. I mean Eckler had a good game, but he's a backup running back. Right. He shouldn't be gashing you the way he did. Right. I think I don't know if that's necessarily Ulbrich's defense as much as it is the defensive players that we have on that side of the ball. We just don't have we just don't have playmakers across the line of scrimmage. Um Yeah, but last 17, thing, you should you should win. I mean, that's yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with, with Ulbrich. Like I said, if he doesn't get the shot here with the Falcons, I really do hope he gets a shot somewhere because uh, I think he's he's demonstrated he's got the ability to, to call a pretty good defensive game. But last thing on the defense before we move on, uh, your thoughts on Keanu Neal and what he's done this year after coming off really two seasons back-to-back where he had season-ending, you know, he had the Achilles he blew, he had the ACL he blew. Uh, your thoughts on Keanu Neal? Uh, is this somebody we want to continue to see in a Falcons uniform? Do we re-sign Keanu Neal or is it? Let the guy walk. And he's been okay this year. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I was a lot more excited about him when he before the 
the two lost seasons, of course, but and he doesn't seem to have the same explosion he did before that. So I, I would guess it depends on kind of the money he wants and the contract he's looking for, whether or not we bring him back. He seems to be a good guy, so you know he. I think he'd be a good guy to, you know, build around if he's kind of looking for a reasonable contract. But you know, I wouldn't go out of my way to resign him. Yeah, so he uh, he signed a ten million dollar deal with the Falcons, and it looks like going in. Not it looks like going into twenty twenty one. Right, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So it'll be a matter of. Uh, if the if the Falcons want to want to pick him up for that, yeah, you, can't uh, give, you can't give him that much money. No, I, you can't give him ten million dollars again. But if you can get him for a decent deal, like if you cut that in half and you told him it was a five million dollars over three years, I I'd, I'd be willing to bring Keanu Neal back yeah. with that without a question. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't hate that deal. I mean, I think he's a, a good enough player. He's been along. I mean, we know him at least, and you know. Uh, I wouldn't mind that at all. That can't be ten million dollars. I, mean, okay. I think a lot of that also depends, right, on what you know. I'm talking about Ulbrich coming back, and I'd be good with that. But it really, is going to depend as well on what kind of defensive scheme the next person wants to to put in place, right? With with Dan Quinn, it was all about you know trying to replicate that stuff they were doing with Seattle, and it was you know the Legion of Boom and hitting people. And, and Keanu Neal fit that mold, right? He's not the best cover safety. That's really not what he does. Can he help in coverage? Yes. But he's more so the guy when you come across the middle, he's going to bring the lumber and crush you coming across the middle. Or he's going to come in and fill a hole and be a run stopper um, from that safety position. So, um, you know, it's going to depend on what that general manager and coach want to do defensively. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to see Keanu Neal back here. I think he's had some ex- explosive plays. He's He's – he seems to be back to full health, but you definitely have to to look at that contract, realizing you could lose him to a either season or career ending injury with the way uh, sort of his his years his his past few years have gone with injuries. Yeah, I think I think we've seen pretty clearly that the Legion of Boom defense is more about having a four or five year run where you just draft every player correctly, yeah. more than the scheme they were putting for. Because I mean, just the the players they had were just ridiculously good, and they had them on, you know, cheap contracts for mm-hmm. for those years. And it was just, you know, it was hard to stop. And then you had Russell Wilson. You brought in Russell Wilson on the cheap, and yeah, yeah, you I mean, really nobody could really compete with that. The importance of drafting and getting picks right is such a huge deal, right? I always talk about coaching matters. And it does. Coaching is huge, right? We see with Dirk Cutter, Dane Quinn leaving, the, the fact the team has gotten better without a bad coach. Um, Dirk Cutter, when he's gone, you're going to see an improvement, I think, on the offensive side next year. Uh, coaching matters, but, man, getting draft picks right is critically important because you get a draft pick right, you've got somebody under control for four years at a reasonable price compared to when you have to bring in these free agents like we did with, with Dante Fowler. You're you're backing up the Brinks truck for something that usually doesn't always work. At least for us, it doesn't always work out as a Falcons fan. You usually don't get uh, exactly what you're thinking you're going to get. Yeah, and I think that's why the the Hurst trade annoys me so much continuously because it's just like you know draft capital is so important. You 
I know we we don't see second round picks and third round picks is important because we've blown so many in the last you know five years. But I mean, those have to be picks that you hit if you want to be a successful team because you need good young defense players on the cheap for their first couple of years when you've got you know an an expensive quarterback and an expensive wide receiver that are taking up a lot of your you know cap room. So yeah. it's just when you miss, you you pay for it. And when you trade away picks, you know, it puts even more pressure on you to hit the ones that you're taking. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's leave the Falcons behind. They've got the bucks coming up next week. Jeremy, we've had a pretty good streak of you calling this. And when you call it, we get the exact thing we really want. So Jeremy, what do you think we do versus Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? I believe a win on Sunday. <laughs> Three touchdowns. <laughs> oh, man. That's as good as ringing the bell right there. That's as good as ringing the bell. So, all right. Before we before we wrap it up, Jeremy, uh, did I'm going to guess you watched zero of the Hawks preseason basketball games. It's not true. I love the Hawks. I watched both of them. So. Did you really? Yeah. Look at that. All right. I, I watched as well. Something that shocked me. I'm super. I'm super excited about the Hawks this year. They're just. I'm on board with you. If you are a Hawks fan listening to the podcast, you need to uh, to spread the word that you've got two diehard Hawks fans, and then this guy named Garrett that do a great podcast. Who tune Who tune out during Hawks talk? Yeah, he he tuned us out last week. So this is really we should just focus this whole podcast on the Hawks. This Garrett's not here. Well, going for it, I think we can pretty much do that. I mean, I don't think there's much Falcons talk left this year. So that is that is true. So, I, of course, I was excited about the preseason game starting. Just seeing the the guys uh, get out there and play, I like I liked what I saw from Bogdanovich. Um, but the, who who I would say surprised me the most was Hunter and his yeah, play, well, both defensively and offensively. Uh, last year he really struggled shooting the ball. I mean, it was, it was brick city when Hunter was putting up shots, but, uh, he looked really confident stepping into shots. He had a lot of open looks, which I think is going to help him because there's a lot of other offensive weapons that are going to draw attention. Uh, so he was really sort of the standout guy for me through those two, two preseason games. Did you, did you see anything that, that jumped off the page to you watching the guests? Well, yeah, I mean, I think. I think Hunter was the obvious one there too. I mean, you brought in competition for him and, you know, last year he didn't have any competition to to stay on the court. I mean, there was nobody behind him basically. So, I mean, this year with the players he brought in, I mean, there's good players everywhere. So, you know, I think it's good. I mean, I I enjoyed watching last year's team too. I mean, offensively, they were really fun to watch. Defensively, it was kind of a train wreck for most of the season, but you know, I still don't understand that, right? Because we have this really good defensive coach who's just a talent developer. I, I don't understand. Fair, to, be fa- to be fair, we had no rebounding. I mean, <laughs> that I is mean, true. If we, I mean, Capella's been his, his rebounding the first game was pretty outstanding. The first game or second game, he had like 15 rebounds or something. I mean, I he was, was all over. I the think place. it was the second preseason game. He and John Collins both had a double double, and and Capella being on the floor helps Collins rebounding right because yeah. Collins isn't having to play that five position that he's not built yeah. for. 
so he can rebound out of that four position like he's supposed to be able to. Uh, so, yeah, Capella's been a, a, a huge difference maker on the defensive end. Yeah. Yeah, Collins is not a five, and he, I don't think he wants to be a five. So, yeah. uh, that that's a big help for him. And then, I mean, you just brought in so many good players. I mean, it's just hard to believe what's linked this offseason and he was able to get it all you know within the cap and that's why for i kind of expected hunter to have kind of a decent year this year because i mean everything slink has done since he's been here for the most part has has worked out for the hawks so you know i i trust him more than i do any sports figure in atlanta right now so yep i'm with you i don't know anthopolis alex anthopolis is up there I think yeah, I'm higher up, on I mean, him than you he, are there. No, I like I like Anthopolis, but I like Slink more than I do him. I just think I mean, he walked in a nightmare with the Hawks. Yeah. And I think on the NBA yeah. side too, you have to get you have to be more precise in what you get right, right? Because in Major League Baseball, you have this huge minor league system, right? We have all these these guys and you can miss on you know, 60% of your draft picks and 60% of the guys in your minor league system and have an amazing baseball team, right? In the NBA, you don't have that kind of wiggle room. You have to be so precise and get so many pieces right uh, or so few pieces right that uh, that it makes it even more difficult. So, yeah, I'm with you that uh, the job he's done is pretty outstanding. And the, and the squeaky... The squeaky voice GM that the Braves had before him, even though he cheated on that international draft pool or whatever, I mean, he did start to turn the Braves around yeah. while he was there before he got booted out of the league. But so, I mean, it's not like Anthony lifetime ban, by the way. <laughs> I mean, holy cow. Yeah. I feel like that was an underreported story that they just kicked him out of the league for life. I mean, that was. That's a big deal. It's a bold move. <laughs> you, you don't have many cases to where somebody gets kicked out of the league for their whole lives when they're like yeah. probably 40 years old. But. I do agree that was a majorly un, a major un, unreported story uh, here in Atlanta. It didn't get covered that much. I mean, it was covered a little uh, bit. But I yeah, even still don't know all the details of exactly what he did other than he cheated in some of the, the deals he was making and giving people cash when he wasn't supposed to. And uh, yeah. But... I mean, it wasn't Pete Rose gambling on games, right? Like, at least I don't think it was, right? But there was, you're, I'm with you. It was a little bit of a, all right, dude's gone and let's not talk about it anymore. Yeah. But, but, all right. So back to, so, back so to the Hawks. Fun. Was there anything that surprised you in those games, those two preseason games? I've got two, two major surprises for me. I mean, I think it's how good, I mean, Trey Young didn't score a lot. We still look good on offense. I mean, last year he was he was having to score 30, 40 points if we wanted to put up a, a defensive showing every night. And the fact that he's able to be more of you know, a passer, which is what he wants to be naturally, it seems like, is just going to be so fun to watch. Yeah, I, I agree. That'll be – I am interested to see what Trey Young does this year with, with offensive weapons on the floor that where he doesn't have to be the main scorer. Right, knowing that he can score whenever he wants to, but also the idea that he can distribute the ball uh, to these other offensive weapons is going to be is going to be really cool to see, and I think is going to help us give a better idea of this whole 
you know, Luca Trey talk that all it's never going to go away. Uh, I think will be a better comparison now that Trey actually has some weapons around him, much like Luca does out there in Dallas. But for me, the two things that were most surprising was one, Gallinari coming off the bench. Right, we sort of thought the money we paid Gallinari, he's going to start off. He's he's either going to be the three, or he's going to be the the four, and we're going to move John Collins. But Gallinari came off the bench, which was shocking to me. The other one that was shocking to me, and I don't want to be too critical of it because it's preseason and they've had a very limited amount of time together, is the turnovers from Trey Young. He's he's got to value the basketball more. (laughs) And I know it's two games and it's preseason, but just like silly turnovers, like trying to force the ball. You know, there's three defenders getting back and you see one guy from the Hawks streaking down the floor and it's like, oh, I'm going to get him the ball. No, there's three other defenders down there. Like, just bring the ball up the floor. Let's let's get a good offensive set. Drives me that yeah, kind of stuff drives that, me like, crazy. Uh, yeah, but last year he does that. I mean, he does that successfully. I mean, if he, if he's in you know his normal season mode, I mean, those are plays he he can make. So I'm not bothered at all by it, just because these are people he's never played with. I mean, we got to complete. We basically overhauled their whole roster. So. You know, it's not going to be smooth the first couple of weeks, but and I, mean, I agree. Just, I don't, I'm not trying to overreact to it, but it's something that I noticed and something I'm going to watch throughout the year is, is just valuing the basketball. There was times last year the whole team didn't value the basketball, right? Like it was like hot potato, like yeah, it was yeah. you know a seventh grade boys basketball team playing their first game. I reference all these basketball things because I used to coach seventh and eighth grade boys basketball, so I I, I see that look of fear right in the eyes of players before when those seventh graders come out on the floor for the first time it's like oh my gosh that that was a look i got a lot last year as watching the hawks play this look of i don't want to have the ball right now what do you mean heck no you take the ball so all right well you gotta admit though it's just exciting to have a competitive team i mean it's been a while of all the i love the falcons i love the braves but reality is I've probably been not probably I've been the longest in my personal personally for me I've been a Hawks fan longer than I've been a, a fan of any of our other teams. Uh Hawks fan my Hawks fandom goes back to the Steve Smith, Mookie Blaylock, Christian Leitner, uh Tyrone Corbin. Yes, I know that name, and to Kembe Matumbo. Back in the day, that was those were my Hawks. And uh You live in you live in Atlanta with Dominique. How what what how are you not a fan with Dominique with Light? I don't know, it was just before my time. I remember the trade. That's all I remember. I remember Danny Manning coming to Atlanta. I remember the trade uh, and Dominique sure leaving. That up. <laughs> if I ruin, I ruin your night. <laughs> but yeah, the Neek, Neek was before my time. I may have seen a little bit of Neek as a kid, but I don't. I remember Steve Smith. Like that's when my my memory bank really kicked in. Uh, was that the Steve Smith teams? But yeah, I love the Hawks, man. I'm with you. I'm so excited to go into this year. Uh, I'm hoping that we get to a point with COVID where we can go to basketball games uh, in Atlanta. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an exciting season for the Hawks without a question. So I'm looking forward to to seeing what they do. But well, Garrett's not here to pull the plug, Jeremy. So I'm going I'm to give you the the honors. You know, before we pull the plug, I need to give my spiel because. I used to sell cars, so I'll keep selling. 
if you haven't told a friend about the Atlanta Sports Podcast, you need to tell a friend. Uh, we love making this podcast. We hope you're all enjoying listening to the podcast. You can also see the podcast by going to YouTube and searching the Atlanta Sports Podcast, which actually those numbers continue to go up each week uh, where more and more of you guys are watching us on YouTube. So maybe we need to make this a little more entertaining. Although I am mobile again downstairs because the wife has the office again. Jeremy kicked down his basement like always. So you can check us out on YouTube. But uh, tell a friend about the Atlanta Sports Podcast. If you're not on on Twitter uh, with us, get in the conversation on Twitter. Jeremy and I continue the conversation there each week. Uh, and my terrible sports takes continue there as well. Uh, where I, some of your where, worst happen on Twitter. That is some of my worst sometimes happens on Twitter. And uh, and I usually try to incite rage in the Atlanta Hawks fans. So lots lots of fun there. Uh, but uh, But tell a friend about the show if you haven't already. Um, working on some gear, not gear like, uh, like, well, I have no other gear comment to make. Not, uh, we have some, we have some, (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, we're working on getting some gear. So maybe you can rock some, uh, Atlanta sports podcast, uh, merch out there in the, in the public here soon as well. You'll be able to get your hands on. Um, but, uh, thank you all so much for listening, Jeremy. I'm now officially before I stumble over my words anymore. Passing it to you to pull the plug. Pull the plug, Daniel. That is it for episode 47 of the Atlanta Sports Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. I already gave you my spiel for where to check us out, but be sure to jump on Twitter and join us at ATL Sport Podcast. That's at ATL Sport Podcast. And I forgot to mention our website where you can check out all of the stuff that we're talking and writing about, as well as catch up on any episodes that you might have missed. Again, thank you for listening and have a great week, Elena.